Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I have really been looking forward to this segment uh, and our special guest. Uh, now joining us, the Seattle Mariners Director of Player Development, Andy McKay. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for uh, joining us for this segment. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, yeah, no, really looking forward to it. Uh, every once in a while, I like to uh, talk a little bit about the, the mental side of the game. I know that that's something that you've uh, been working at uh, for a long, long time. But uh, I'm just sort of interested in terms of what your kind of your day-to-day life, at least during the season, is like as a uh, director of uh, player development. Uh, what sorts of things uh, you know, would, would you be doing on a typical day? Well, for, you know, and I think every... Uh, you know, director of player development or farm director uh, probably has a slightly different job based on their organization and how it's set up. But for me, it really comes down to, you know, managing and leading our people and, uh, and our process, the people in the process is uh, really where I try to direct all my attention. And, you know, with your people, you're talking about your staff and your players and, really doing whatever needs to be done to help them get better. You know, you're trying to get your, your coaches to coach better and your players to play better. And, you know, they're all, they're all shooting for, you know, a, a winning, sustainable, lengthy major league career. And as you know, it's hard to do. So we spend a lot of time uh, on that aspect of it. And then in terms of the process of, you know, how do we do that? How do we coach? Um, how do we organize our teams? How do we, um, put our players in the best position to be successful. And so, you know, you try as hard as you can to, to, to not get distracted away from um, um, leading your people in the process. Uh, well, uh, when you say distractions, what that, <laughs> I have to admit that was not something that uh, I was expecting that you would bring up as, uh, you know, a, a daily uh, challenge that you have to face. So what, what are the distractions that you would face? Well, I think – I think like in any job, you can get, um, you know, you can get distracted by a million things that are going on, whether it's in the office or, um, you know, I, I guess what I would say are, are issues that aren't improving your people or your process. And, you know, but on a daily basis, I guess like more specifically on a daily basis, you're, you're, you're really tracking uh, and monitoring uh, your players. You're on the road constantly. Uh, you're visiting your minor league team. Uh, you're communicating with your scouting department. You're communicating with, you know, our general manager. Um, you're reaching out to individual players. You're reaching out to individual staff members. And, you know, the day can go really quickly. Um, and then, you know, there's like, like I said, in every, in every job you have an element of things that, um, you know, can, can take you away from those core concepts. Uh, yeah, and I can see that. And like you said, in, in any industry, I can see how that, that happens. Uh, now, uh, there have been several stories, Andy, that have been done on you in terms of your work with players and developing the mental side of their game. Uh, I know that this yeah. has been a, a long time pursuit of yours, but is this something where uh, you were you know, a, a psychologist outside of the sports arena and then brought that to uh, professional sports, or was it more the other way around? Uh, that uh, you know, working with players, uh, you realized that this was a set of tools that was was you know going to be instrumental. Yeah, kind of the, the the second part there. We, you know, I am not a psychologist. Um, okay, I have, I have almost zero formal training in psychology. I have a I have an MBA, 
And, <clears throat> but as a coach, uh, you know, it, it just kind of hit me very early in my coaching career um, that this game is mental and you can trace all of your mechanical breakdowns back to mental breakdowns. And, you know, the game, all sports are, are, are uniquely different, but what makes baseball, um, I think so unique in terms of the mental challenges of the sport are the time in between plays, you know, where you have a, a, a pitch thrown to a hitter and then you're going to have a, you know, 15 to 20 second break of which, you know, free time is, is not real conducive to, to thinking the right way. I mean, the mind just starts spinning and it starts racing. And so you've got that going on. You've got the, um, the travel schedule, you've got the, you know, the 162 games. So you have the fatigue, you have the monotony, um, you know, which is totally different than say an NFL schedule where, you know, getting your mind right, you know, every Sunday for a few months is totally different than trying to do it 162 times. Um, you know, when you look in the NBA and, you know, when an NBA team has to play a back-to-back game, it's a big deal. Well, I mean, look at what Major League Baseball players are trying to do. So, you know, the 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 area of sports psychology has exploded, and it's kind of followed like a parallel track of, you know, when you look at when teams started introducing like a literally a trainer, having a trainer at every affiliate. Um, and then you get into, you know, the 80s where we start actually incorporating weight training into professional baseball. And, you know, you go from, you know, many teams not having anybody on staff to now every club has a full department for strength and conditioning. And I think you're going to see the same thing with, with mental skills here, um, you know, in the, in the coming years. Uh, how many teams would you guess, or maybe you know precisely, uh, have somebody on staff that deals just specifically with, with the mental game? You know, that's a good question. I would guess the majority of them now, but in, in, in very different capacities. I mean, you have clubs that have four and five people uh, involved in that process. You have clubs that have put a lot of financial investment into it. And then you have clubs that might be a little bit more like, you know, let's check off the box and say we're doing this. And, you know, all the way down to probably having, you know, a part-time person involved. Um, and, but it, it, it's going to change because there's this, there's too much evidence now. Um, and there's too many success stories of people who have really altered a career uh, when they learn how to think differently and they learn how to manage their focus levels and they learn how to, to concentrate on the, you know, on the task at hand in the batter's box or on the pitcher's mound. Uh, are there any particular players that stick out for you, either in terms of ones that you've actually worked with or just ones that you're aware of who uh, have made that that quantum leap due to their work on the mental game? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I I'll stay away from our players that I've worked with <laughs> in either Colorado or Seattle. But, yeah, you know, the, the stories and, the um, you know, I would go back to Greg Maddox. Uh, I, would look, I would show you you know, what his record was as he came up, um, you know, and he really struggled uh, when he first came up with the Cubs, um, was up and down between the big leagues and the major leagues multiple times before he really stuck. Um, and he gave that credit uh, to his sports psych guy he was working with at the time. Roy Holiday went through an amazing transformation with his career. Uh, John Smoltz went through an amazing transformation. Um, 
Edgar Martinez, Raul Ibanez, um, uh, Evan Longoria. And I'm just trying, I'm just thinking of guys that I can rattle off that I'm, that I'm familiar with that have done a lot of work in it. And it, more guys than you would think. I mean, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Um, I would venture that almost every golfer on the tour is working actively with a mental skills, uh, mental skills coach. Well, and I recall reading somewhere that Roy Halladay is now training to be a sports psychologist. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I wasn't aware of his uh, history on the other end of that. Yeah, well, you're well, and you're also starting to get now a decent pool of, of very successful players that you know, just like you have a successful hitter who becomes a hitting coach. You're now having a there's a pool of players out there that have really applied sports psychology to their careers, and are now actually in a decent position to teach it. And uh, Jamie Moyer. Uh, would be another one who comes to mind. You know, there's there's a handful of guys out there. Harvey Dorfman, probably the leading uh, guy who brought, um, you know, sports psych into baseball and did it in a big way with Oakland um, back in the 80s with Sandy Alderson and Tony LaRussa. And then he ended up um, bouncing around to a few different organizations and then ended up, he's, he, uh, he's no longer with us, but... He ended up working with the Boris Corporation and did a lot of work with, with Scott's clients. So um, there's, there's a lot of it going on out there. Yeah, yeah, more more than I realized, to be honest. Uh, well, I got one more question for you, Andy. I guess it's really sure. the multiple part one, but I'm I'm guessing that there are certain players who, you know, in terms of any kind of skill, they're going to be, you know, easier maybe to coach than others. Um, is there a particular pattern in terms of uh, the players that have been more challenging, and also what have you found to be the most effective methods for helping players that have more difficulty with the the mental side? Well, I think that most players, um, there, you know, there's a sliding scale, and that scale is, is it, it fluctuates based on, you know, the ability of the player. And you have players in, in the major leagues that, you know, quite frankly, need another league to play in. Um, you know, when you talk about guys like, like a Chris Sale, you know, mm-hmm. if, if there was a higher league, he'd go play in it. Um, and so... The mental challenge, although I will tell you Chris has worked extensively in the mental game, those challenges aren't going to be as great for somebody with that level of ability. Um, but as you slide down that scale and you get to a player with more of an average type of, a, of an ability for him to, to make it to the major leagues and stick in the major leagues, uh, it's going to require um, you know, a, a capacity to really think and and to focus on the right things at the right time and to really be able to manage their thought process in that 15 seconds, uh, between pitches. So when you talk about, you know, specific ways to help, you know, the first thing is it's just, it's educating and it's, Mm -hmm. and it's giving the player examples of, you know, talking to a, to a mental skills coach does not make you weak. It does not make you soft. Um, you know, Michael Jordan, again, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods, Greg Maddox, and you just start educating that player as to these players needed help and they went and got it and it had major impacts on their career. Um, Because it's kind of a scary thing for people at first, Um, but then they get into a spot where they realize, you know, they they literally, they start looking at the game from a different lens and it, it begins to make sense with them, for them. 
Wow. Well, uh, I wish we could dig into this uh, a lot more, Andy, but we've uh, we got to head to break. So uh, really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us and to uh, sharing your experience and your uh, your wisdom on this. So thanks so much, Andy. Not a problem. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, stick around, everybody. Got a lot more to come. So we'll be right back. 